Hey, Jason Rice here. Another lot party quick tip. See, this gets a little bit confusing because I know I have a, a smaller bandwidth. So I hope there's no delay here. And hey, you know what? It's been a while. Usually I try to do these about once a week and it's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, and, and the other thing is the reason why, and I'm going to show you here in a minute. I mean, I've been working on this new uh, software, uh, you know, and I wanted to, you know, get some exposure to it. And just been, and we got a new office space coming, brand new 3,500 square foot training facility for our universities and our workshops. So just got a lot going on, but wanted to get this, um, you know, video out because uh, there's a lot of things uh, happening that I just want dealers to be aware of as they're trying to navigate through this new market. And I say new market because again, back in 08, 09, I helped dealerships get through the recession um, when I was with Auto, And, you know, back then it wasn't, it, you know, dealers lost 50% of new car sales or more. Some lost their whole franchise and dealership, uh, franchise and or their dealership. Uh, but the problem was it wasn't a supply uh, dynamic. It was just consumers with the recession having the money to buy things or not. And obviously used cars were easier for them to buy than a new car. But again, you still need a buyers. Um, and, but currently, again, dealers, Losing could be losing 50% or more of their new car sales, so they have to be focused so much on used cars. Problem is the supply dynamic there, you know, there's also a short supply there on, on used cars, and and so you know, before it was a money issue, now it's a supply issue, so it's a little bit different. And here's the thing it's a seller's market right now, and when it's a seller's market, um, you know, the market data becomes less relevant, right. Um, what I mean by that is what the guy down the street's pricing his blue one for, and you're the only black one in a 150 mile radius. Do you really care what he's doing on the blue one? Right. Um, and so what's happening and what, what is going on in your lot becomes, you know, really kind of more important. So I wanted to kind of go over that is like to be able to do a lot walk, you know, to be able to do a lot walk on your inventory and not just what I call your physical lot walk. We know how to do a physical lot walk, fill the holes, right? Inflated balloons are gone, lights plates are on, moving cars around to stir things up. But you might get five, 10 ups, physical ups today, but yet, um, you know, a thousand people could see your cars online or digitally. So that digital lot walk is what's important. Now I'm gonna transition this tip and to kind of a pitch, because um, I just want to understand and, and and please let me get through this and, and don't lose interest, because, um, again, I'm putting out information to help dealerships get better. What I'm going to go over in this, uh, again, what it seems like a pitch is stuff that you can do yourself. And, and, and I want you just to understand the dynamic of what I mean of, you know, controlling what you control. Right. And understanding what's happening on your lot first. And so I want to go ahead and share my screen. And again, please bear with me. Now, one of the things I wanted to bring up is, you know, one of the pushbacks we get in our services and our software is, hey, I've already got an inventory management tool. You know, why do I need LotPop in your services if I already have a V Auto Max Digital VinQ Dealers Link Inventory Plus, any other inventory management tool? Why do I why do I need you? You seem like you're that's what you're trying to do. And one of the things I want dealerships to understand is, you know, why do you have a DMS and a CRM? And what I mean by that is, um, doesn't your DMS contain customers' phone numbers, contact information, email addresses, physical addresses, right? 
couldn't you call and email customers through your DMS? Sure. Um, but you use your DMS to run your dealership, to make decisions. What's your profit and loss? What's my back end? What's parts and service and payroll and so forth, right? So if you're going to run your physical dealership, you're going to go to your DMS. If you want to look at profit and loss and you want to do uh, uh, financials, you're going to your DMS to run your dealership. But what the CRM does for you, it helps you work the leads. There's more function there. It's a bigger, deeper dive and element into not just your clients, but customers, but also clients and consumers. You know, you can do broadcast email, response time, closing percentages, right? Round robin leads. It's just a, a deeper, more functional operation system your CRM is to your DMS. But again, don't be mistaken. When you want to run your dealership, you're going to go to your DMS. When you run, want to work your customers, you go to your CRM. So that's our analogy. Uh, you know, our software, our service is lot score service, our new lot walk product. Um, I think you use this as to run your lot. Okay. Hence the name lot pop or lot score, right? Or lot walks, right? Run your lot. You make, you get to make the decisions. You need to find the holes on your lot first, manage your what you could control, control what you control, manage your information first, find holes, find gaps in your inventory, then use your, or on your lot, then use your inventory tool, right, to figure out what you want to do. Because inventory tools, just like your CRM, you get to work the vehicles, you get market and book data, you can get competitive sets, you can get wholesale versus retail, you could get Kelly Blue Book, NADA, GALS, whatever you're looking at, um, day supply, price to market. It's a deeper element, right? And so when you want to work an individual customer, right, you go to your CRM. When you want to work an individual car, you go to your inventory management tool. But when you want to run your lot and understand looking at how to manage your store, you need to, again, Take care of your house before you worry about the neighborhood, right? So take care of your lot first before you worry about what's going on down the street, okay? So we we do this, and again, this is kind of the pitch part, on a three-tier system because I just want you to understand there's, there's a deeper dive into this stuff. One is called our lot score, okay? That's just the premise of, again, everything I'm going to show you here, you could do yourself. We also do... Once the lot score, let me back up, is finding those holes. Where where are my issues? Maybe my average investment's up. Maybe my car's in my 31 to 45-day age bucket. Maybe I have more cars sitting there than what I've been selling out of there over the last couple of weeks, causing an issue. So those are facts. Those are issues on your lot. You're heavy in trucks and not enough compact cars. Okay, that's a fact and that's an issue. So that's where, again, you need to know that information. You could do that by gathering the data yourself. But that's where lot score comes in, looking at it every day, find those holes. Then we use what we call a WTF score um, and a predictor to figure out what of those cars, which ones are causing the biggest problem, which ones are the issue. OK, and we're going to go over, OK, while we found a problem, maybe our average investments up. OK, well, here's all the cars that are higher than your average investment goal of those cars based off of these metrics. Again, your metrics not the market, what's causing those problems, and then spoon feed those back to doing a lot walk. Again, going back to, hey, my physical lot walk's important, but my digital lot walk's more important. I need to make sure my inventory's tight online, make sure my marketing's good, and then I find these and fix these problems. So I wanted to just kind of initially go over, you know, what our goals for the dealership is. And there's nobody that can disagree with me. The best time to make the most money on the cars when it's fresh within the first 30 days. And that's been our mantra for eight years now. And so if you can increase the amount of cars you sell fresh in the first 30 days, your grosses will go up. 
Okay. Unless you go out there and pay stupid money for fresh stuff and you can't sell. But if you increase the amount of the first 30, so the goals for your store should be to get 60 to 70% of your sales in the first 30 days. Okay. If we agree, best time to make most money on gross is to get the most cars out in the first 30 days. There's a trickle down effect. There's a lot of things that you're going to have to track and trend on your lot to make sure that's accomplished. Okay. The next thing is carry what you sell, sell what you carry. Through this COVID stuff, dealers experiences, they carried 80, sold 100, right? And so that, that's an experience that you're doing through this phase, but can you do that consistently year in and year out, month in and month out? And again, that's what we focused on the last eight years with dealership. Carry what you sell, sell what you carry. So that gets your volume up, plus you get gross. Best of both worlds. Again, so how can you accomplish that? Again, lot score. You can do this yourself, but here's an example of a, a lot score screenshot. Remember, our goal is to sell 60 to 70% of our sales in the first 30 days. Well, you, you have to carry that to do that. So see this zero to 30, this dealership is carrying 79% in the first 30 days and 0% age. They're scoring an A. There's really no obvious issues with his inventory on his carry. But then you got to look at your sales. Where are you selling? Where is the cars leaving your inventory? And again, you want 60 to 70% of your sales in the first 30 days. And this dealer's is doing 73%. Okay. So on the surface, everything looks good here for this dealership. They're scoring no, no problems found. But when we break it down into 15 increments, and remember what we're looking at on your sold, I would look every day or once a week at your last two weeks of sale rates. Go look at what you're selling out of these buckets. Okay. Now look at this issue. Okay. Everything looks great, but there's an issue here. Look at his 31 to 45 carry up at top. He's carrying 15% in that bucket. Okay. And now if we look at today's sale rate or the day of the screenshot over the last two weeks out of that bucket, out of the third, only 10% is being sold out of that bucket. And you can see this negative five right next to that 10%. That means he's selling 10, 5% less than what is sitting there. And if nothing changes, 5% is going to bleed through to the 46 to 6, 60 bucket. If nothing, so again, that's fact. That's an issue on his lot. If you did a lot walk uh, digitally and says, oh my gosh, look at my inventory. I'm bleeding through. I'm not selling enough out of the pocket. That's a fact, right? So pay attention to that stuff. We happen to do that for you on a daily basis. Now, with that, that's a lot score problem. That's one of 30 metrics. Again, average investment, carry to sale rate by age buckets, photo percentage, SRPs, VDPs. Are they up or down, right? What am I, what's how, trades versus purchases? How do I own my trades versus purchases? How am I pricing my trades versus purchases? You know, franchise make mix versus non-franchise. All these things are kind of understand what your holes are. Next, to figure out what cars are causing these issues. Again, I'm not going to run the market data. Okay. And I'm going to explain here in a little bit. This is going to be a little bit lengthy of a video here. But if I know that this is a problem in my 31 to 45, if you click on there, let's go figure out what cars are in there. Okay. So here's the list of cars that are in the 31 to 45 day issue. So which ones do I need to focus on? Well, one of it, again, as I said, we're going to base it off of one, a WTF score, work the facts, 20 different metrics on individual cars. Again, you can look at this yourself and figure this out, but we want to take a look at on, on the left, look at the left. Everything in red is a bad thing. Look at right in the middle on the left. Average investment. This is a $37,000 car, and it's way higher than their current investment of twenty five grand. So it's a high average investment. It's in red. The line below that, year, heavy in that year. 
This is a 2018 Ford Explorer Sport. I have more 18s on my lot than I'm selling, and I'm heavy by three units on year. Segment, this is an intermediate SUV. I am heavy by two units on intermediate SUVs. That's going against it. I'm heavy in this price point. So 37.5 to 40 grand price point. I am heavy in this. I have more cars than I'm currently selling by seven units. It's in an age bucket I'm not selling enough out of. Over to the right, VDPs at AutoTrader. It's not converting. And holding costs. It's already, we're over $900 in holding costs. That's an issue. So again, that's all factual based on what's happening on his, that dealer's lot. Those are facts and you can't deny it. So if I'm not selling enough out of my 31 to 45, that's a problem. And if it's a problem, what cars are causing those problems? And here's the information. You can track this yourself, but we'll do that every day for you and point out here's cars that are scoring low that's causing these issues. The next thing we're going to look at is what we call predictor. Okay, now this is going to have a little bit of market data, but it's your data. This is information coming out of your inventory management tool. How are you selling things? Keep in mind, this car appears 32 days old. Um, we, through the predictor, are saying this car should leave his lot at 21 days at 98%. So he said th 21 days at 98 is when this car should probably, based on their data, but this car is 32 days old at 101%. What do you mean by their data? Well, look. Okay, Fords, for example, leave his lot at 21 days at 98%. Explorers leave at 21 days at 99%. Intermediate SUVs, sport utilities, 20 days at 100%. You're on down the line here, 37.5 to 40 grand cars leave at 37 days at 97%. So two, 2018 Ford Explorers, now he only sold two of them in, in that window of time, but 12 days at 104%. Maybe that's why he's still priced pretty high. <laughs> I would tell you though, he still doesn't have a whole lot of markup in this car, 700 bucks. So that's probably why he's priced where he is. But again, going back to the WTF score, it's got a lot of going against it. Having the segment, having the price point, having the year, uh, high average investments, not converting a line. It's in an age bucket we're not selling. Based on averages off of my lot, I might be priced too high because obviously it's aging and bleeding through. So it's very hard for you to deny that this car isn't causing this problem. So if we agree on that, now let's pivot to the market data. Market data is important, right? We, it is current and, and it is things that we need to know and how to position our car to beat the guy down the street when the shopper's shopping. But again, I can't worry about what the guy down the street is doing when I've got all these problems happening on my lot first, right? Understand that first. So again, that's how we do it. So then we provide all these cars in an easy lot walk scenario. And what I mean by that, this new lot walk product See here, age bucket sold, less than 5%. What we're carrying in our 31 to 45, we're carrying 15%, sold, only selling 10%. Here are the cars. Visually, you can see them like you do your physical lot walk. We're going to say, hey, you're not selling enough out of this bucket. Here are the cars that are causing those issues right here, okay? And then you get to decide, do you want to acknowledge or confirm that this car is a problem and you're going to do something about it? Maybe adjust the price, maybe redo the photos, maybe the comments, or do you want to say, ignore this car? Because this car, you know, I don't agree with this or I, maybe I got an appointment and I, I just want to hold out or give me another week. I'm going to ignore this situation at this point in time. And it doesn't matter if you acknowledge or ignore all these things. If you just recognize you're not selling enough out of them, you look at the cars that are there and you ignore everything for the day because maybe you handled them yesterday or the day before. That's fine. You're still doing more than the guy down the street. And I think this is important. 
um, to understand that un controlling your lot, knowing these holes are very important. And this is why I'm going to say, should I go further? And this is, I do want to go further. I want to end the video here because it's getting lengthy, but I do want to show you why. Because remember, I said doing a lot walk, what I just showed you there, you can do yourself, but obviously we can help you there. The reason why it's more important than uh, managing your inventory with market data only, I get a lot of people when I'm helping them with inventory. Oh, I just go into my whatever inventory management tool and I just start, you know, sorting by high to low price or last price change or not converting and I start adjusting pricing. And so they're solely basing their decisions based off market data and not their own data. And here's what I mean by that. A couple things. Here's my concern on market data. One, I mean, if you could see here, cabin size unknown. There's 66 cars. And I'm in case you're listening to this and not watching it, this is a screenshot from Car Gurus. And they're showing um, that 66 of the cars presented here, the trucks, have cabin size unknown, but yet they're ranking them as fair and good deals. How does this site know it's a good deal if it doesn't know if it's a regular cab or a crew cab? OK, and why would dealerships list their inventory without cab size? So these cars, if I'm in a pricing tool and I have them narrowed down to crew cabs, these cars will not be part of the equation because I haven't narrowed down the crew cab and, and these are unlisted. So, you know, how how does that um, that ultimately affects how that competitive set sits? Right. Are these cars really priced this way? Are they moving this fast or not? Here's Simone. Some more uh, cars.com screenshot trim unknown. Okay, there's a 2019 F-150 without the trim being an XLT or a Lariat or an XL or a King Ranch. I mean, how does the system, this website, know it's a great deal when it doesn't know if it's an XL or a um, you know King Ranch? And again, these cars are going to be missing out of that market data. Here's another great example. If you've seen this, if you've gone to your competitive set in these market tools. This is a split bench cloth seat truck. It's not a lariat. If you know trucks, lariats are all leather interior and, and more than likely going to be a captain's chairs. So I think this dealer, and based on the photos below, they look like they know what they're doing. They have pretty decent photos. So I doubt they're that ignorant to not, you know, understanding that this is not a lariat. I think they manipulated it to make it look like a great deal. So this car is going to be part of my Lariat competitive set as I'm trying to price it. And do and so I'm assuming I might have to price mine around 43 because this guy has his Lariat around 43. In reality, Lariats are probably 44 to 45, 46 grand, two, three grand more than this particular car would be worth. But yet it's going to skew your market data. Does Lariats really move this slow? If somebody's listening an XLT that's not selling because it's really not a Lariat? Or are they really pricing? this cheap when these are going to be part of your competitive set. Um, I had this concern and I reached out to uh, cars.com because they have a thing called auto correct it. Turn it on. Ask them to turn it on. If you don't have it turned on to your inventory right now, they will turn it on for you. Okay. And this auto correct it is more than just a VIN explosion. It's build out sheets. It knows if that car has a winter package or the sport appearance package or the sunroof and the nav. Okay. So, but what I want to highlight, and this email was just from December 9th, 2020. So just a few months, I mean, eight months ago. Okay. 37% of used VINs are missing trim, tranny, or options, okay, that cars.com, they won't just fix them for you. You have to turn this on and fix it yourself, okay? And then auto-correct it, 
finds corrections and uh, finds and corrects. So here, 12.3% of all VINs are missing trim, 12% missing trims. The biggest one, 22% of VINs are missing transmissions. Okay, that's a big deal. Now go in even deeper. They pointed out here, they did a, a study with the store. It's a 25 store group. He said they had a very good 29% error rate. That's a 30% error rate. And if you look to the left, some of their dealerships of the 25 stores, somewhere in the 50% of their inventory was listed with inaccurate data. So think about that. 30% of inventory listed online in the market. And I'm not blaming your inventory management tool here because that's where the data is coming from. It's the dealers that are listing this stuff. You're talking about a 30% error rate in market data when you want to say, hey, let's compare them all with sunroofs and nabs and so forth. So if dealers list their inventory incorrectly, the sites use uh, this incorrect data to rank the vehicles. A lot of dealers don't have an aging policy and let cars sit very long in the market and price them too high too long. So how does that affect market day supply, price the market. It's insufficient management, which means insufficient data. It could be inaccurate, okay? But it, what is right and what is true is what's happening on your lot. So again, to just blindly trust, just to go into your inventory management tool and blindly trust the data, um, no, basically to, to trust that data, that means you need to trust the guy down the street is doing their job. Right. And most dealers can look internally, know they're not doing a, a good a job as they can. But in the meantime, you got to trust the guy down the street's doing his job effectively to make the market data, you know, as effective as you want it to be. And what I mean by that is that be the sole source of finding information. And again, you want to control what you could control. Agree with that. So here's one more comparison and we're going to lay this bed, uh, lay this down the rest. So. If you use Google Trends, and I've watched this trend for over eight years, I've done a video on this before, so this is going to be repetitive, but this is an eye-opening, again, why you just can't throw everything to market data. Do go to Google Trends, type in the word use cars. Basically, what I'm looking at is going and seeing how many people go to Google and type in use cars, okay? And this is a five-year window, past five years in the United States. And what I want to point out to you is if you look at this, you can see these peaks. This is 2016 peak. That peak right here where my arrow is, is actually looking at, and let me see if I can and do a pin here. This, this peak is January. And then, so this starts at November. So November, December, January, February, and then down through March, April, and May, and then you get a June, July, and then August, July, August uptick in summer sales events, and it drops off through December. Then it picks up January, February, and going right into February, drops off through March, picks up a little bit in the summer, down through December. Peaks right back here up in January. We're looking at our February, February 2018, the shopper count peaks, and then it drops down. Picks back up, July, August, back down, up in February. Again, you can see the seasonal adjustment. This big drop off here, it was going in through February, but then we went through uh, March and April shutdowns. But then the rest of the year followed the same pattern, okay? So when you can see that information, right? That's that's the information that um, erase all ink on slide, all right? So there's a pattern there. Let me go down here. April, it dropper shop uh, shopper count drops 25% down to 75 by April. 
Okay. So my point is, let's go back to February. If I asked the dealer, I said, Hey dealer, February, think about it. It's tax season. February, March, you got all these deals are going on. It's usually your best month, right? It's a uh, tax season into the year bonus. People are buying a ton of cars. You're selling a ton of cars. There's a bunch of peak and shopper counts. Where's your market day supply? And most dealers are going to say it should be low because cars are moving fast. Volume is up. Shopper count is up. Makes sense. You go into April, shopper count drops 25%. You're at the dealership. It's nice spring weather and it feels like somebody shut the faucet off. You're like, what's going on? I just came off a strong February, March. I just went to the lane, paid stupid money for cars. I, you know, and all of a sudden, but the shopper count has dropped. So things are slowing down. Shopper count drops, sales are dropping. What's happening today's supply? And they say it's gone up. But here's the reality of it. Look at the same time period, this white line here. If it peaked, okay, the white line, it was market day supply. It peaked in February at 89 market day supply, okay? Now, that peaked. Now, what happened in April? April was market day supply was at its lowest. Even though the shopper count dropped 25%, I'm not selling something. How in the heck is the day supply so low, okay? Well, think about it. Most of the tools will look at market day supply based on a time frame. A lot of them are going to run off a 45-day window. What was 45 days prior to February? 45 days ago in February means it was looking at December and January where the shopper count was low and that the, the, the um, um, sales were low, right? And then we fast forward to April here. Now, how is it so low, but yet sales are starting to slow down and I'm not selling any cars and, 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 I'm, and my average investment's great. My photos are good and I got the lowest day supply, so I'm holding out on my pricing, but yet I'm not selling nothing. Well, if you look 45 days ago from April here, that was February, March when you're having your record months. So what I'm telling you is the reason why you can't just manage your inventory with market data only as dealer data can be usually wrong, right? 30% of the listings not accurate online. And then things like market day supply is a lagging indicator, okay? Can we agree with that? All right, so I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. So my point here is, okay, you gotta do a physical and digital lot walk. You gotta understand what's happening on your lot first before you pivot to the market data. Market data and day supply is great. It's important, right? Market day supply can tell me if sunroofs are moving faster than the non-sunroofs or certifieds are moving better than non-certifieds or this particular engine's better than this particular engine or this trim moves slower than that trim. It's important indicators. You just got to understand it can be lagging and you got to make adjustments to it. And then you got to understand that some of the cars in that competitive set aren't accurate and or missing some because they weren't listed accurately. So just understand when you're making a full commitment to market data, you're making a full commitment to, I don't know, right? Is the guy down the street doing their job? Is the cars listed online accurately? Um, again, it's important. It, it's information. The more information, the better. AI stuff can pick up things that people can't. So I get it. But it's got to be the second thing you pivot to. Okay, the first needs to be your lot. Control what you control. Look at how things are moving off your lot. Find your problems, your holes. Understand that and then pivot to market data to make those decisions. You need an inventory management tool like you need a CRM. Is this a better way to run your business? But my point is you also need what I like to call and what we're 
building out is a lot management system. Understand your lot first. In our lot management system, we're we're integrating CRM data in there too. So we're going to show you when you do a physical lot walk, you're like, hey, who's helping that up out there? Move that truck, you know, get this car over here. Who's helping that customer? We've created a lot management system where you could see the ups that are that you're missing out through your CRM that you haven't called or emailed in 10 or 15 days and you're about ready to drop the price instead of calling the customer. So you need a lot management system. That's where lot pop comes in. But again, this is video tip to help you understand that control you control, which is your lot first. Do that. Okay. Do that. And think about it. It's a seller's market, right? It's a seller's market. So market data becomes less relevant. The supply and demand dynamics to go, I don't care what that guy pricing his blue one for. I got the only black one or I don't care. His is at 72,000 miles. Mine's only got 43,000 miles. No one's going to find another truck like this, right? The supply is so low and, and, and the customers are still looking for certain things that when it's a seller's market, it market data becomes less relevant. When it's a buyer's market, when customers have plentiful to look at, they get to pick and choose what they want. Then you got to worry about the guy down the street going, oh, crap, his is a grand cheaper. No wonder we ain't selling nothing. I better get more competitive because customers are going to pick their car over mine. But right now, it can, you know, you get to pick and choose what the customer gets to buy almost. So, all right, now this market's going to change. It's normalizing. This data helps on both ends. And, and do your lot walk first internally. Understand it. If you want our help, let us know. Lotpop.com. We got September. OK, we're going to go into September here, September. Uh, we're going to have our lot pop university and offering it free for free for everybody. September 21st, 22nd. The reason why I'm offering it for free for everybody is free for our clients. And I charge fifteen hundred for non clients. OK, but I'm offering it for free because two things. We've got our eight year anniversary. We also just invested into a thirty five hundred square foot training facility where we're going to host our 20 groups and our universities out of. So I'm opening up. There's already 12, 13 people signed up, like to get to 20 or 30 people. Go to lotpopu.com, get information. It's free. Just get here. Okay. Olathe, Kansas, easy. We're centralized, United States. I've got dealers coming. I've had dealers from Canada from here, California to Florida to Texas, um, everywhere, uh, Illinois. So send your team, send a manager. We'll go over these metrics. You don't have to be a client. These metrics, you get to understand and know how to do your own lot walk to control what you could control before you pivot to the market data. Hope this was helpful. Subscribe, YouTube, iTunes. Um, and uh, again, lotpop.com if you want a free inventory evaluation.